open your Bibles, I love saying that, to Romans chapter 6. That's where we are today. And as you turn there, just a couple of things. I've been around campus. I, typically, and this is the hour that I typically come and, and worship, which gives me a chance to see the people kind of leaving the first hour and coming uh, in at the, the next hour. But uh, you all are so gracious, and you're always asking how I'm doing. And so let me, let me just give it to you on two planes on a personal level. Sandy and I are doing great. Uh, we've been married about a year and a half now, and we have found something we have in common that's going to make this thing worse. We both love me. And uh, uh, that's, it's amazing how well, that's perfect. Uh, so I tease about that, but unfortunately, it's probably a little bit true. And so we're doing, we're doing great. Uh, physically, Tim mentioned about six weeks ago, I got hit with a little, little uh, kind of an uptick on some inflammation stuff. And uh, uh, no, nothing serious, but it, one of the things it did is put me back on on the medicine that I'm on, the steroids, which have two, some, some really good effects. I, I have almost no pain, which is great. Uh, and I feel like I could lift this building, uh, which I can't. Uh, the, bad, the bad side of it is there's side effects to it. Uh, a little bit tired. Uh, I, uh, and, and you can tell I'm, I'm vain enough to have to mention it, just because uh, I, uh, I can hear you laughing. But I, I bloated. I don't want you to think I'm home just watching TV and eating. Uh, <laughs> I'm home watching TV, but not eating as much. And, but it's the steroid stuff. And very emotional. It's, it's amazing. I... I uh, I, I start crying. At, I stopped at Arizona Avenue in Elliott the other day, uh, red light, and there's a Circle K there now. And that's been a Christmas tree lot forever. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me we were never going to have Christmas trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. And, uh, but it's, it's, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that's associated with it. So the takeaway is thanks for asking, and I really am doing well, uh, just that stuff. But I'm already tapering, went to a mega dose of steroids. I'm already a third off of that. So that's the, so the doctor this week. And, and uh, so anyway, so all good, okay? Uh, Romans chapter 6, and we parachute right into where we left off last week. We'll put the words on the screen. We're going to look at verses 11, 12, 13, and 14, okay? There they are. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Now, key phrase for us here is in Christ. So I want to make a bunch of little comments along the way today, a little bit scattered maybe, and, and I have kind of a big point that I hope I can communicate at the end. So he says, now, because that, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies. So we want to look at a therefore. Remember, see a connector word like that. He's connecting thoughts together. So because I'm in Christ, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. So he's talking about now how you're going to use the members of this body, not for unrighteousness, but... So there's the contrast. Presents yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life, because that's what's happened, right? We're dead in our sins and trespasses. Now we're alive. And your members to God as instruments of righteousness. So the contrast. 
And then finally, for sin will have no dominion over you. Okay, why? Well, because you're not under the law and the guilt and the penalty of the law, but you're under grace. So that's the, the passage we'll look at. I gave you some explanation there. Hey, can, can we do what we did first hour? I, I uh, worshiped first hour in a, the way that I love to do it, which is come in. I don't know exactly what the songs are. This is a song, and Jed wrote this song, and this verse and lines from that song are a perfect commentary on those verses. Satan has no power in me. Jesus is my victory. Sin has lost its hold on me. Jesus is my victory. That's what those verses say, right? Those words that, that we sang, those words that we read. Don't let this sin reign in your body anymore. And he wouldn't tell you to do it if you didn't have the power to do it. You don't have to do it. Sin has been dethroned and replaced by Jesus. So let me read you a couple paraphrases of this passage, explain to you what a paraphrase is. It's, it's not a translation. So like your ESV or your New American Standard would be a word-for-word -word translation. You get into the NIV, some of the others, you'll get kind of a thought translation, uh, less, I think, less accurate. These are paraphrases. This is a, a man sitting aside or a woman and saying, here's what I think this passage says. And, and sometimes you just create, excuse me, get great insights. Here's the New Living Translation. Don't let sin control the way you leave, live. Give yourself completely to God. You were dead. You have new life. Sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The, the Phillips is an older paraphrase, one of the first ones that I was ever familiar with. And he always has a, a really just a great way of expressing stuff, J.B. Phillips. Do not allow, then, sin to establish any power over your mortal bodies in making you give way to its lusts. But like men rescued from death, put yourself in God's hands as weapons of good for God's own purposes. For sin is not meant to be your master. You're no longer living under the law, but under grace. Here's the uh, message. This is uh, Eugene Peterson. This means that you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it to time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves full time, wholeheartedly, remembering that you've been raised from the dead. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny any longer, but under the freedom of God. And you start to hear some words, the, the words about control. So who's going to control you? Paul admonishes us to be filled with the Spirit, not drunk with wine. So when I'm under the influence of wine or alcohol, what's happening is that's who has control on me. And Paul's saying, you don't need to be controlled by sin or dominated by sin, but live under the control of the Holy Spirit. And part of this is going back and remembering what God has done. And, and when it comes to living, don't do this. Don't present my body to be used for sin and destruction, but present my body, and by this we mean mind, choice, will, all that we are, present ourselves for God's righteousness. Because I'm no longer living under the law, but I'm living under grace. I'm no longer under the condemnation of an enslaved man 
but I'm now freed. In fact, one of the commentators uh, uses as a title on this section, whose slave are you? So Paul, who's telling us don't let sin reign in our body, in chapter 1, verse 1 of this book, identifies himself as Paul the bondservant, Paul the slave. So Dylan was right. Everybody's going to serve somebody. Everybody's going to have a master somewhere. And what Paul is saying is, listen, you are a new creature. So, so look, at, look, look in chapter 6. This is what Tim covered last week. Okay? He begins in chapter 6, verse 11, and he said, even so. So even so carries with it the idea of here's what Paul's been talking about. He's been talking about what you know and what you believe. So chapter 6, verse 3, do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ? Verse 6, here's a fact, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Verse 8, we believe that we shall be alive with him. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer has mastery over us. Because all of that is true, Paul says. Verse 11, consider yourself. It's an accounting term. Reckon it is done. No, Know this, that you yourselves are dead to sin, but you're alive. Here's the key phrase now. If you uh, mark, underline, circle in your Bible, got to get this one, in Christ Jesus. That's our status. So keep your finger, we're going to do a little bit of turning today. Keep your finger in the book of Romans, go to the right, to First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, to Ephesians. And when we studied Ephesians... I remember well teaching that first chapter and making the same point there that we just made, and that is the importance of understanding this in Christ. So as you look at Ephesians chapter 1, I said to you then, one of the things I like to do, which doesn't mean you have to do it at all, but I find it helpful, is that when I'm looking at a theme in a passage, I, I like to, to mark it. Maybe in this case, it was the phrase in Christ or in him with a square or a squiggly line. So my eye just goes to Ephesians 1, and immediately, here are the circles I see. Verse 3, the end of it, in Christ. Verse 4, chosen in, Christ, in him. Uh, verse 7, in him we have redemption. Verse 9, his kind intention, which, was purposed, uh, which he purposed in him. Verse 10, the, the summing of all things, in him, all things upon earth, in him also we've obtained an inheritance. The end of verse 10, verse 11, verse 12. And to this end, we also have the first hope in Christ. Verse 13, in him you also have listened to the message. And you were sealed in him. It's this idea of being in him in right relationship. So, so let's go back. What it means is to be a follower of Christ, to believe in him. To understand that we come into the world separated from him by our sin. We, uh, in fact, I was just talking to Ben. We were talking about Christmas. We, we taped last year's and recorded last year's uh, Christmas service so that it would be part of a CD that we could release this year. And, and it's ready to go. And I said, are we, got, are we working on what do you think for Christmas this year? Well, we'll be in a new building. Well, I know there'll be all these things, but I know at least once... In this Christmas season, 
we will sing a song that has in it the line, God and sinner, what? Reconciled. Reconciled means this, okay? It, it has with it the, the supposition of a pre-existing hostile condition. So if I say Timmy and I were reconciled, that's all the information you have. From that, you can conclude that there had to be a pre-existing hostile condition, right? Right? Yeah. If God and sin are reconciled, then what we know is there was a pre-existing hostile condition. Now, keep your finger there. Let me take you to a passage. This is one of those that you want to mark up and put in your greatest hits list, okay? Titus chapter 3. I say that when I, when I came today, I usually teach out of a different Bible, but I have this emotional, nostalgic moment, and I grab, this is my first ever study Bible. This is the first Bible I had as a believer. Here's 2071 East La Jolla Drive, 8209649. And in it, I'll hold it up, it'll, it'll appear as gibberish to you, but in it, I began what was a really smart practice. Uh, you'll see blank pages. Okay, you can't read them. I got it. And it just looks like scribbled to you. And, and what I did is I realized there were certain passages that either Larry went to over and over again, or I would go to over and over again, or when they were mentioned, they had this profound impact on me, and I just started to list these passages. And after a while, they become second nature. The very first one listed is 1 Corinthians 15, it's the resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Well, on that list, I would suggest you do that, by the way. It's kind of like a, a player when you, you see the quarterback and they're flashing in signs and he's got his cheat sheet here. That's like your cheat sheet. That when you're sitting around and you're thinking, you're going to that. Well, Titus 3.3 3, uh, through verse 7 should be on it. Okay, let's get this idea, because this is what Paul's driving home. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, here's, here's the theme now, enslaved to various lusts and pleasure, spending our life in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. But, so that's who we are. That's who we are by nature. Corresponding passage to this would be Ephesians 2, 1, 2, 3, 4. Or Paul says, we're by nature children of wrath, separated from God. The wage of sin is death. Death means separation. I'm separated from God. But when the kindness of our God, of God our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, what's that? Jesus. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we'd done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who he poured out on us, richly through Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the full hope of life. Well, part of that inheritance, is back to Romans 6, is that I'm no longer in this bondage to sin. Because I'm in Christ, now that bonds are broken. There's that kind of updated version of amazing grace that has the line in it about the bonds and I've been set free. Set free from what? Set free from the guilt and the bondage of sin. I've been forgiven. It was a great, when, uh, when Jeremy was talking about the, the adoption 
and, and taking kids out of, out of the system that they're in. These are kids that have, that, and, and he described it. They, they haven't been loved and they've been abused and maybe they've been isolated. Okay, here's what I want you to get. That was you separated from Christ. That was you working hard maybe to try to earn his pleasure, but you could never do it. That was you, but now you're forgiven. Now you're delivered. You're not under the law in its condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can call him Father. We have an intimacy with him. So he said, because that's true, in verse 12, therefore, because that's true, I don't want you to let sin reign in your body. He's affirming that truth. He's telling you what's already there. Sin's been displaced. You have the power now and the confidence in the midst of temptation to know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that no temptation's overtaken you, but such is common to man, and God is faithful, and he won't allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're unable to endure. He'll provide you a way of escape. You have that confidence that you can't out God's grace. That you're not on probation. Your relationship with him is permanent. And that's really hard for some who humanly have never experienced that. So many, I'd probably say most human relationships are, are somewhat conditional, aren't they? I'll love you if, I'll love you when. When I was a, a young boy, I was a decent athlete. You wouldn't know it now, I guess. By high school, I, I, I went out for basketball, but they already had one. So I was done by then. But, but my sport was baseball. And um, I don't mean this as a criticism. It's just the way it was. If, if I was 0 for 4, the ride home was very different than if I was 3 for 4. I'm really proud of you, buddy. But I never heard that after you struck out. Uh, the boys played yesterday morning. Uh, Braden and Yale, I didn't get to go. I was speaking downtown, uh, something arranged a long time ago. Uh, Braden asked me on Friday, are you going to be at the game tomorrow? I said, no, I'm going to be downtown speaking to grandparents that they need to go to their boys, grand boys baseball game. So, <laughs> stupid, I got it, okay, but it's the irony of it. And Haley said, so I, I, Haley called, I said, how was it? She said, good. She said, there was a Tom moment in there, and I said, what's that mean? And she said, I was over by the other team's dugout, and this kid had made an out, and the dad was there. Now, th put yourself in this moment, what you can do. And the dad said, you didn't do what I told you to do, that's why you made an out. And Haley knows how I feel about that. And she said, you could just see all the air go right out of this kid. And my flinch is to get mad at that dad, but that dad probably heard that all his life, not for an excuse. I, I, I'm just saying, some of you have been raised, e e even in the idea of God, that you think he's in heaven going, ha, if you'd have done what I told you, it wouldn't have made it out. He says, no, you're my kid. You've been rescued and delivered, and I knew that was going to happen, and I loved you anyway. You're mine. You're under, here you go, you see it on restaurants every once in a while. You're under new management. You're not under this sin and authority any longer. You're a new creature. 
You're a new creation driven by God's love for you. Sometimes that's really hard for us to get because we flinch right back into that. To talk about grace is really difficult because I want to go, well, what about truth? What about when I sin? I got it. Here it is. You're forgiven. That doesn't become an excuse to sin. That breaks your heart because you look at God's love for you and say, how can I, how can I do that to him? One of the great indicators of how you're doing spiritually is how you respond to sin. If you can just sin and say, well, boys will be boys, girls will be girls, I'm forgiven. See, that's the question that Paul is really dealing with is, can I just be the same old person? If I say Jesus is Lord, is everything going to stay the same? And he said, no, because it's a new relationship. You don't let sin reign in your body. It's in this flesh. It's what John talks about it in 1 John, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the, the boastful pride of life. There's going to be that attraction. It's James 1, where James gives us a, a description of temptation and sin. I'll read it to you, James 1.13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he does not tempt anyone. But here's this process of temptation and sin. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Something internal in the flesh, that old flesh, is attracted to something external. I, I watch, I do watch a lot of television. And, and a lot of good stuff. But then I watch stuff that makes no sense. Like I'll watch Home and Garden, and I never, I'm not, not only am I never going to do anything, like I don't even know how to turn on a hammer. I, I don't even know where the switch is. I don't know anything. I watch cooking shows. I'm not going to cook. Well, I watched a fishing show the other day, and this guy had a new lure, state-of-the-art, 2013 new lure like the real thing. And then they, they showed this picture. I, I don't know what it was, some sort of fish. They showed a real one. They showed the lure, and they looked the same. And then they showed a fish coming along thinking he was going to get dinner, and he became dinner. That's James 1. The world comes along, and it'll shake something, and it looks like the real thing, but it never produces, Right? False gods never fail to fail. Those things that look so good. And he's saying, think about it, consider. Don't, don't just live like an animal driven by your desires. Think about it. It looks good, but you know how this is going to end. Don't do it. Don't present your instruments or your, or your body as instruments for unrighteousness, for sin, for rebellion, but for, a, for righteousness. You've been delivered from the slavery of sin. You're not under its bondage any longer. There's no condemnation for you. If I can put a bow in this section, you're not under the law. You're not under the, the guilt of the law, the penalty of the law. That's what the law does. The law condemns. But I'm under grace. I'm under forgiveness. But when I read that passage, there's a phrase in there. Uh, Tyler, I saw Tyler the other day. Tyler's teaching today at Tempe. And he said, where are you going to go in this passage? And I said, well, the phrase in verse 13, 
You, you see the, the word at the beginning of the phrase, don't present, but in the middle of verse 13, present yourself to God. That makes me think of another passage in this book. So I want to take you to that passage, and then I, I want to just share with you something that happened to me yesterday that was, it was awesome, and see if we can pull this together. So uh, still in the book of Romans, turn to Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12 is the kind of pivot point in this book. Romans 1, 2 through 11, Paul just laying out these amazing doctrinal truths. In fact, look how it ends in 11.33. The depths of riches, of wisdom and knowledge and of God. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 36, for from him, through him, to him are all things. Paul looks at Romans 1 through 11 and breaks out in doxology. When he gets to Romans chapter 12, he moves toward exit exhortation toward the practical part of this so here's what he says i urge you therefore brethren so he's talking to believers by the mercies of god he said here's your motive because of the mercies of god let me list some of those for you salvation his kindness the freedom reconciliation because all that god has poured out on you while you were a sinner while you were helpless while you were a child of wrath, in spite of you, not because of you, because that's true, I want you, here's the word again, present, present your bodies, and your bodies are a live sacrifice, not those Old Testament dead sacrifices, and it's a holy sacrifice, because this is what you've been set apart to do, it's acceptable to God, it's your spiritual service of worship. It's the only logical response when you contemplate this. I have been in Sports Illustrated twice. Uh, once as a photographer, which is interesting because I don't own a camera, but I took some pictures at an Iowa ASU game that were published uh, the next week, uh, Tom Schrader AP. And, um, and, I, and they were in there. And I was in there previously. I did a chapel for the University of Arizona Wildcats uh, years ago. And uh, there was a, a writer from Sports Illustrated covering the U of A that week. I didn't know it. And part of it was the chapel. And in the chapel, I talked about Romans chapter 12, verse 1, present your bodies. And I came up with the phrase, give your bod to God, um, <laughs> which was stupid then, or silly then, and silly now. Um, but it got picked up by that. And, Probably all I had for a U of A, really. Um, <laughs> I didn't give them my best, but I gave them what they deserved. Um, I heard they won last night. Is that right? That's a big game for them. So this is all Paul's saying. Paul's saying, give your body, your, your, your mind, your will, your emotions, all that you are, you give them to God. You present them. The idea there is to yield or surrender. You present them to him. Why? It's the only thing that makes sense. When I stop and I contemplate all that Paul's written about in Romans 1 through 11, 
the passage that I've taken you to a thousand times in Romans 5, verse 6, while we were helpless. Verse 8, while we were sinners. Verse 10, while we were enemies. That, that Jesus moved. Remember what we saw in Titus? He saved you not on the basis of what you've done, because anything you would present as a sacrifice in terms of atoning for your sin, anything you present would be flawed. And it requires a perfect sacrifice. That was Jesus who died in your place. So the most logical thing is to present to him your bodies, which is your spiritual service of worship. Ray Stedman writes this. This is your logical worship. This is the way you worship God. He says, I hear a lot of people talking about worship these days. When you come to church and you come to worship corporately, but worship doesn't start and end at church. You are worshiping or not worshiping all week long, depending on what you do with your body. Is it his? How you do what you do. It's, it's important. It matters. Your job tomorrow is a reflection of your relationship with Christ. If you're a stay-home mom, if you're a CEO running a Fortune 500 company, either way, it's a reflection. It's your worship. I, I just, uh, reading a, a book on leadership, uh, and, and more because of the biography, but this guy is talking about following a corrupt leader into his company. He takes over this multi-billion dollar company from a guy who's on his way to jail. And, and then when they're done, it's the CEO and the CFO and the COO, and it's every branch manager, and there is just illegality spread all through. The, he told these guys, we need the business, bribe who you need to bribe to get it. Take the product and make it less efficient, less effective. Lie about what's on the label. Well, how would you represent Christ in the middle of that? Stop, stop saying, you're in those situations all day long. Now, here's the key. We've got the six minutes. Verse two. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, from some of these paraphrases, they're helpful. The message, uh, take your ordinary everyday life, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. You're just going with the flow. Going with the flow is great if the flow is going where you want to go. The Living Bible uh, says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world but be a new and different person with a freshness in all you do and think. Here you go, the Phillips. It's much more, it's, this is much more aggressive now. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. It will. But let God remold your minds from within you so that you may prove in practice the plan God has for you. That unlike religion, Biblical Christianity changes me from the inside out, and it begins with the renewing of my mind. Long before I get to action, I begin to see the world differently. Here, here's a, one of the old songs that we sing every once in a while. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world offers today. 
Is that true? See, that's what it means to not be conformed. It's to say, listen, I got it. It's not to say things aren't important. It's to say they're in their right perspective. This all begins in the renewing of your mind, to have a mind, and it's a mind like Christ. Sandy's uh, teaching a Bible study in the Gospel of John, and, and she read this to me yesterday. She said, I'll bet you can use this. And uh, she was right. The author writes this, men will flock to a teacher or preacher who can really give them guidance for the tangled business of thinking and living. Jesus is the one who admits the shadows, makes things clear, who at many crossroads of life shows us the right way, who in the baffling moments of decision enables us to choose a right, who admits the many voices which clamor for our allegiance, tells us what to believe. That's what we get from this word. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. How? I begin to get the mind of Christ through his word, and now I see the world differently. I see people differently. It's biblical life change. I uh, did a memorial service here yesterday for a man that I never met. Um, and, and I know that sounds awkward maybe for you all, but I've, I've done it so much and, and that I, I, it doesn't bother me because I get to hear people paint a picture of him. Tim mentioned we started East Valley Bible Church 22 years ago next week. And uh, I, I thought about that the other day. I've invested a third of my life in the church. And, and I was trying to think, what are the things that are the most satisfying? And if I go back to the original purpose statement of East Valley Bible Church, which I really like, and maybe because I wrote it, okay? <laughs> but it was this, to help one another learn God's truths and live biblically changed lives. Uh, it seemed to me like that said a lot, that, that we're learning. What are we learning? We're learning God's truths. It's one another. You get them in a redemption group, you may get them here. You may get them with five guys having coffee or, 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 or three ladies meeting in the commons on Wednesday. But the end result of this is that there's a change that takes place. That seems to connect to me right where we are today. I don't let sin reign in my body. I'm not just driven by impulse anymore. I'll still do what I want. I love this. I'll still do what I want, but God changes my wanter. Yesterday at this memorial service, it was, as I said, for a guy I didn't know, uh, he died incarcerated, wasn't a famous guy. Maybe there might have been two dozen of us here. It, it, it might have been the most powerful memorial service I've ever been to. His mother-in-law, father-in-law, and wife spoke. But both the wife and the, and the man, the deceased, had drug backgrounds, and obviously his landed him in prison. And in prison, uh, he's getting written up quite a bit for behavior. And then there's this moment comes where people would say he kind of got it together. Well, he didn't get it together. God saved him. And everything began to change. See, that's what this is about. This is about a life that's transformed. It's not about perfection. 
It's, it's about you. You sang about the love of Christ. The love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ compels us. Well, as she uh, closed, as Jen closed yesterday, she read a letter that her husband had written her on New Year's Day. And uh, it's not the type of letter, I think, from an incarcerated druggie. It's the letter that I, I think represents a, a transformed life. And my point in reading this to you is his sin is just more obvious than yours. But like he was delivered, though he remained physically in prison, he was spiritually delivered. You've been delivered. Listen to, listen to this letter. This is awesome. Lord, I pray that you would give Jen and Rusty, the two of them, a vision for our future. Help us to understand that your plans for us are for good and nothing else. To give us a future of hope. Fill us with the knowledge of you in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we may have a walk worthy of you. Fully pleasing you, Lord. Being fruitful in all good work. And increasing in knowledge of you, Lord. May Jen and Rusty live in the Holy Spirit. And not walk in doubt or fear. But in faith. Lord, help us to mature and grow in knowledge of you daily. Submitting to you our dreams and desires. I pray, Lord, that you give us the opportunity to achieve goals that seem overwhelming at times. Jen and I will, in fact, have the motivation to be active in service as a family for the remainder of our lives. Lord, I pray that you have a hand in keeping us from losing our purpose and and keep us filled with hope in our future as an anchor of our soul and both sure and steadfast. Lord, place our family in your house and keep us fresh, your knowledge of you, current, flourishing, bearing fruit in the old age together, watch over our kids. <laughs> I-, I wanted to take it and cross out Rusty and Jen and put Tom and Sandy and send it to her. <laughs> but I thought I, honesty was a better policy. And that's a transformation we're talking about. My, my fear, and we have to close. My, my, my fear is that we spend so much time talking about sin and don't reign that, that you're beat up in the battle and never get to the joy of living the Christian life. Not easy, not free from sin, but free from condemnation. Okay? Tim will pick up there next week. If, if you're here this morning and that was just gibberish, uh, that you're going, I have no clue what he was talking about. There'll be some guys in the front of the service here right afterwards that would love to meet with you and talk to you about what it means to know Christ. I hope for those of us who would say Jesus is Lord, that was 45 minutes that were encouraging. That's what I hope. Let me, let me pray. Father, thank you for this awesome truth. And, and drill it deep to us. I look at the clock and we have to go. But God, thank you that we have forever to be your kids. Thank you for loving us and saving us. We pray to you in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.